0: Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinThegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by.
0: Granger for the ones who get it done Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly Pop of Politics is designed to share action items, resources and quick links to specific engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girl or visiting this episode's description.
2: Welcome to Girl on the Gov The Podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. <laughs> because politics
0: needed a rebrand. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to Girl and the Gov, the podcast. It is a happy Wednesday for hopefully everybody listening, but we are recording this on a Tuesday and I'm still recovering from the weirdest Monday of all time. I did a poll on my Instagram story and like all of my friends, even we were talking about it all day, how Monday really felt like we were in the twilight zone. Like I felt like I never woke up and I was just in a dream the whole day. It was so weird, such a weird feeling and I put it on my Instagram story and everyone everyone said they agree it's
0: like what was in the it air bizarre and like you know the classic is with us is like we'll be like yeah 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 let's see it's mercury retrograde? and first of all it's not and second of all i'm like shit i need another scapegoat but it like really it felt bizarre i can't put my finger on it i could not get the day started I knew we were in trouble like if Maddie wakes up after like 7 a.m I'm <laughs> that's concerned. not true like I almost sent a search party for her
2: I was like do we I missed think- a call I literally couldn't open my eyes yesterday morning and when I did open my eyes and finally like peeled myself out of bed like ripping a band-aid off out of my bed I, it was as if I had never woke up the entire day. I was just, like, not in my body. It was the craziest thing ever. But you, wow. Samantha, decided to, you know, really combat the weird feeling of yesterday, and you went on a 15-mile walk to go get dumplings. And, like,
0: that's the energy we need. Look, I'm not saying that I should be in the Olympics, but I'm also saying consider me next up to be the power-walking gold medalist because I really did it. I, I, wow. I just
2: love a good um, hot girl walk. Like, there's really nothing better. It's like really my favorite workout. But you know what made yesterday so insane was that Kylie Jenner ch- decided to change the name of her baby.
0: <laughs> did you see this? I did. And...
2: And I love that she just, like, okay, decided actually, to not even tell us what the new name is. She was just like, here's a little um, Instagram graphic. By the way, um, my baby's not named Wolf anymore. It's just not him. So...
0: Sorry. <laughs> well, did you also read the Grimes interview on Van- with like Vanity oh. Fair, where she like kind of like does the same thing? She like gives like the shorthand for it, but like doesn't give the official name. But kind of like it's, I like, think a she kid- has given I the will- name, but
2: it's another weird one. I would never remember, but I do know the nickname is Y because it's like X and Y. Yeah,
0: I just can't. Which, <laughs> that's kind of cute. I don't know. I, I X hate and to Y say that I don't
2: home? hate it. I mean, like it's a little. It's a little too sciencey for me. I was not a science gal. Like, I used to cry in
0: chemistry yeah. class. I gotta say, I kind of like the idea of being able to change the baby's name within, like, the first few months because that is so true. You could literally, like, especially, okay, say family names are out. You're not doing it as, like, a John the Fifth or whatever. You're like, no, no, no. I'm doing this because, like, I really like this name. And it rings and whatever. And then you do it and the person is so not that person. But it's a like, baby. I it's so a people that go by their middle names And, like, because their first name is, like, comically not them.
2: Okay. and I get that, but I'm, like, also, like, babies don't have personalities. Maybe this is just, like, the calmest, like, sweetest little cuddly baby ever and, like, wolf just doesn't fit. But, like, I'm, like, what other characteristics or personality traits would a baby have for you to be, like, oh, my God, I can't name my child
0: this name? Maybe. And this is going to be a weird thing that comes out of my mouth, but maybe he's just, like, less werewolf, more vampire. (laughs) Like, (laughs) there's like he's not like, he's you know, not no, a no, jacob no.
2: like he's an edward
0: he's yeah he's Like he's just vamping it up he's absolutely they name in. him it's... vamp <laughs> it's kind of chic okay <laughs> low key wait low key it is because it's actually a chanel nail polish color is it yeah it's my mom's favorite nail polish nail polish color. That. can you imagine
2: like we just like guessed and predicted the new name of kylie jenner's baby that'd
0: be crazy that would be crazy. I hope there's a cash prize attached. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Can you imagine? I kind of really support this. I'm kind of, I do really support this, like, name change thing. Granted, we know I have not spent much time around the biz, So are we shocked that I have this opinion? Ew. I think I'm
2: more on the side of, like, like, just waiting a little bit to, like, fully commit to a name. Like, I would have, like, my top three, like, ready to go when I have the baby. And then just kind of, like, as the days go on, like, you kind of, like maybe gravitate towards one but I still like I guess you know again not a mother don't know but like maybe I just don't fully get how like you can completely be like oh my god I really can't name my kid my kid this and it's also like the weight. it's not just like she's like some random mom who like told like her her close family what the name of the baby is like she's told the whole world you know like it must have been really bad for her to be like let me run it back.
0: That's fair sorry I was really For the audience, I was pulling my lip down. Yeah, you're really scaring me. Can you stop doing that? It kind of looks like... What's the evil guy in Harry Potter? Voldemort. I just... I look like Voldemort. Yeah, don't ever do that again. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I'm single. Wait, did we talk
2: about the slide of it all last week? We did, right?
0: On the show? I feel like we started to. We must have given the background. I think we did. Everything's such a blur. Everything's such a blur. But...
2: For anyone wondering, I did try the playing slide move with a guy at a bar last, this previous weekend. I think we did talk about it and preface it, or just gave the background on where the idea came from last week. But I did it. I pulled it off. It it worked in a way. I didn't exchange numbers with the guy or really see him the rest of the night, but like he had a great time. We both had a great time playing slide. I have a video of it. And Maybe, maybe it'll go on TikTok.
0: (laughs) Wait, hold on. I'm putting, I want a visual of his face. He is cute. You know what I
2: said? He looks like, like, kind of like Austin and Kroll, but like with more of a jawline.
0: You're so right. Holy shit. Okay. Doppelganger. Found it. But we have an amazing episode
2: today, and I guess we should get on into it because it's very, very pertinent. And as we speak, there are Senate confirmation hearings happening to confirm Ketanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Ooh. Court. And so we are talking all about that today with an amazing guest. And yeah, I hope you guys are tuning um, in to those Senate confirmation hearings, too, because they are juicy. But I, I hate to backtrack, but we do have one housekeeping. We have a few housekeeping oh. items. And <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't go over the <laughs> housekeeping items.
0: It's so remiss. Well, What's yours? housekeeping item? Housekeeping item numero uno is that we have launched a tennis club mm. with Break the Love. They're a super awesome woman-founded startup. Oh, We love to see it. And they have tennis clubs for every different type of interest. You can create your own. It's really, really cool. Ours is, of course, Girl in the Gov Focus. So combining tennis and politics sounds like a good duo and... Wow! Even as I say it, I just felt more. We're just combining. It is. We're just
2: helping politics make new friends. You know. Yes.
0: Wait, put that oh on my a God.
2: fucking shirt. i am <laughs> Fuck yeah! Wait, stop it! That's so Add good. Added to the idea, idea factory. I'm going. I'm, I'm going. just a like creative genius like Kanye. Watch out! Wait, oh no! <laughs> wait, wait, what was it again? We're just helping politics make new friends. Wait, swear that. that's fucking genius! Fucking fire! <laughs> oh my god that's so good wait I'm i have so already obsessed. a notification new edits to idea factory
0: <laughs> <laughs> something has never come through so fast in our wow. lives that and i feel is... like all these
2: ideas always happen when we're recording it's always. just the magic of literally it literally always mad. I, well look out for new merch i'm gonna start working on it right <laughs> after this
0: but hell yeah
2: yeah sorry continue oh. with break the love go join the tennis club
0: yeah so we'll be adding a link we're going to be doing like how it works basically you join the club and we will be sharing news about events through that platform so sign up become a member our first two will likely be New York and SF so just FYI I'll probably buy LA however we want to hear from you guys you are not one of those spots we love you too and we want to know do you play tennis are you into it if you are, let us know because we will definitely prioritize the spots where we have the most people, of course. But join, stay tuned for more information on those events, We're working on them as we speak. But. but moving on to housekeeping number two,
2: if you guys are 21 and over, you guys should get Wink Wines. Uh, the link is in our episode description, and you can basically get four bottles of wine for 29.95. And Wink is a wine subscription and they craft 200 plus wines a year and with all different tastes, different rosés, reds, whites, bubblin', whatever you want, and they deliver them right to your doorstep. So go get your four bottles for 29.95. It's such a deal and they're absolutely delicious and have the cutest branding ever and they look really cute on your shelves and it's just like why would you not go get those wines, you know?
0: You know? I could not agree more. Yeah. And they are fantastic. Yep. So look, I stand um But one more thing. And oh If you are looking for an
2: internship (laughs) (laughs) for this summer or in the fall and you are a college student and can get college credit for your internship, then go to growonthegup.com slash careers and learn about our research, marketing, PR, social media internship, aka the All the Things internship, and email us your information if you're interested and if you cannot get an internship, then you should join our brand ambassador program because there are zero requirements and just a really lovely community of like-minded, politically inspired people who want to make a difference. And there's also resume boosters, networking opportunities, and more. So go check that out at girlinthegup.com as well. And I am done. The apartment's clean, and I can't believe I almost forgot the most important thing. The most important part of my life, which are housekeeping items. I I really
0: I don't know how we ever would have gotten past. I'm,
2: I'm sure everyone uh, was like, "Oh my god, thank God she forgot about the housekeeping items."
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope, psych Yes, this is the bestie ever. <laughs> psych. Regardless of that, our guest today, as Manny mentioned earlier, is going to be walking us through some of the key pieces going on with the Senate confirmation hearings related to SCOTUS. Our guest today is Megan Hatcher-Maze and she is the Director of Democracy Policy at Indivisible. So today's conversation not only focuses on SCOTUS, what's going on there, but of course gives background to what Indivisible does, what they're up to, how they got started, and also what her job itself does. So if you're wondering, hmm, Director of Democracy Policy, what does that do? Well, we got you. So without further ado, here's Megan. Let's get into it, starting with the fact that you are the Director of Democracy Policy at Indivisible. Can you give us the scoop on what Indivisible is, what you guys do, and also, what is your role all about? Give us the deets.
1: Yes. So Indivisible started back in 2017, well, at the very end of 2016, actually. It was right after, if folks can remember back that far, right after (laughs) Donald Trump was elected uh, president. It was one of the wildest, I think, weeks of my adult life, anyway. And so Indivisible was founded right after that to, by former congressional staffers to kind of give activists a blueprint for how to advocate <clears throat> in a situation where not only had we, not only was like the Republican the president now, but this particular person was the president. Because I think a lot of folks on the left just kind of took for granted, oh, the government works, right? It's like, I don't yeah. necessarily agree with what's going on necessarily, but it generally operates, moves forward and it's fine. But it really uh, doesn't, yeah. <laughs> as, we, yeah. as we discovered in November of 2016, or as many people discovered. So they wrote a guide that basically gave people practical advice for how to lobby their members of Congress, how to try to resist the worst parts of Trump's agenda. And, you know, our groups fought really hard to sit, protect the Affordable Care Act. So they were really successful in kind of preventing that from being overturned by Republicans in the Senate. And lots of other things that well people were getting a lot more active. Mm-hmm. But our top organizational priority is the health of American democracy, which is where I come in. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I have not fixed American <laughs> democracy yet. <laughs> I have been trying really hard, but no no dice. But I think you know what Trump exposed was that You know, like a healthy democracy would have never allowed like an authoritarian of that level to have been elected in the first place. So Trump was really more of a symptom as opposed to like the underlying disease. The way our democracy is designed is to give a lot of power to a very small group of people. And that's how you end up with people like Donald Trump. By the way, even if Donald Trump is done running for president, there are other people who are willing to step into that that role as kind of like an Mm. all-powerful authoritarian figure. So our goal is to go to the structures that, you know, gave us a Donald Trump and fix those structures. So we've been fighting for structural democracy reform since we were founded. We got really close. Mm-hmm. It's like within our breath. So close back in January. But, you know, our margins in the Senate are really tight. It's a 50 Um a majority, and there are two Democrats who don't want to get rid of the filibuster. So we were not able to pass the Freedom to Vote Act and the Voting Rights Act, is lo- which is what in- Indivisible and in many, many of our partners have been fighting for for years.
2: Yeah,
1: But we'll get another yeah right at the apple
2: yeah we love the optimism for sure (laughs) well like zooming into your role as like you said director of democracy policy also that's just like sounds like such a cool role you want to like talk about it (laughs) and i feel like we always feel like democracy and policy constantly but like those two put together exciting can you kind of explain what your role really entails there
1: yeah, so it's a lot of working with members of Congress, especially the more progressive ones, members of the Congressional Progressive Caucus who are the most kind of aligned with how we think these things should be operating to pass structural democracy reform. This is so that includes, you know, the Voting Rights Act and the Freedom to Vote Act which would have overridden some of the worst anti-voting laws that we've seen at the state level. So Georgia has a really bad voter suppression law. Texas, uh, Arizona, North Carolina, all of these states are pursuing, Wisconsin even, are pursuing highly restrictive voter suppression laws that make it more difficult for certain people to vote. The Freedom to Vote Act would have overridden many of those uh, bills. It would have made Election Day a federal holiday and would have required vote by mail so beautiful. And the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, so the reason, by the way, it is so difficult for certain people to vote in certain states is because the Supreme Court said, go ahead. Mm. make it more difficult. So back in 2013, the Supreme Court gutted um, the Voting Rights Act, which covered a certain states who had a history of uh, racial discrimination in their voting laws. They had to pre-clear or ask for commission to make significant changes to their voting laws. And then the Supreme Court said, oh, you don't have to do that anymore. Effectively, John Roberts said, racism is over. So we don't <sighs> need this anymore. And like that day, like the within twenty four hours of that decision coming down, states were holding special sessions to re- suppress the vote because they did not have to ask for permission anymore. So oh that's the big fight. Um, we got, re- like I said, we got really close back in January of this year. Mm-hmm. It was not successful because of Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, and all fifty Republicans who also don't care about our democracy. Right. Mm-hmm. But the big fight will be trying to build up a senate that does want to pass stuff mm-hmm. that does want to protect our democracy and that means kind of diluting the power of your joe mansions and your kirsten cinemas for for the time being until we can organize a little bit better in those states to get better representation so so that's pretty much what my job is is trying to identify ways we can make our democracy better although it's obviously a challenge that's a big one um, mm-hmm. when congress is especially you know democrats who are supposed to care mm-hmm. about these things are not interested in yeah. doing what is necessary to get these laws passed into law
0: mm-hmm. totally i mean it makes sense it's, i think what people always have trouble understanding is that you know things entities people whatnot aren't monoliths and like the democrats are no different and mm-hmm. mansion and cinema are very good examples of that of just because you slap the label democrat on them doesn't mean they're going to you know, follow through with what the, you know, the agenda of the party is or what the general stance is, you know, they and they do technically have the ability to go their own way. But I think people through this last year have really started to see they have to look at each individual member and not look Mm -hmm. at things as just one group think tank Mm -hmm. and exactly. You know, actually analyze it a little bit more, you know, simply one on one. But through, you know, sort of that analyzation, which I'm sure you do all the time. You must have sort of gotten here in a certain way, you know, political journey, if you will. You know, I'm going to guess it's pre, you know, cinema and mansion just being absolutely (laughs) out of their minds this year. But how did you sort of get into politics? What's the, the journey?
1: Yeah, it was a little divergent, I guess. It was a little meandering journey. Mm-hmm. So I grew up. I grew up in Seattle, not known for being like a hotbed, hotbed of national politics. <laughs> <acts>. <laughs> although, yeah. although I really cared a lot about politics growing up. Mm-hmm. But you know, I got my undergraduate degree in art history, so I really like hadn't planned on like yeah. one day moving to D.C. and like working in politics. But I think. Um, you know I, I got this idea that i really wanted to go to law school and i have we don't need to digress about law school and whether or not anybody on this call or anybody listening should go but you know <laughs> but i really wanted to go i really felt like this calling to to help people and i had been kind of volunteering with kids who um had entered the foster care system in seattle and were kind of moving around a lot but they uh, needed tutoring so i was like working on tutoring with all these kids and they were great they were really funny and really in good spirits given like the complete instability of their home lives. Mm. And I just remember thinking, I really wanna to go to law school and just like help people navigate this system. So I went with the intention of, you know, becoming a public servant. I really wanted to be a public defender. I didn't interned in a couple of public defenders' offices where I graduated. And working with clients was really great. But I think what you realize when you're doing direct client services is that you're getting this person who's in crisis where the 10 million things structural things have contributed to this person's crisis and now they're yeah. in front of you and you're trying to resolve that for them but it doesn't resolve what brought them to you totally. in the first place so i so i went to law school in st louis which was great i'd never lived in the midwest before yeah. i love st louis it's a fantastic Ooh, okay. i really recommend yeah, yeah. Gotta little a little different from twist. seattle
2: yeah yeah, just a little slightly different from
1: Seattle. <laughs> but the, all the clients I worked with were so amazing. And I just remember thinking, like, I do really want to be a public defender, but I also really feel like there's some underlying issues that I could be working on towards, like, really addressing, like, the root cause of yeah. some of the problems that my clients were facing. So that's why I really ended up moving to DC. I really wanted to more systematically yeah. help people in a way that I thought might, might be just as fun or just as beneficial. So ultimately, I ended up working f- in Congress. I worked for uh, Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton, non-voting delegate for the District of Columbia, which is a really interesting job. I worked a lot on D.C. statehood and there's a lot of ways that Congress can interfere with D.C. So they actually have like authority over even our local laws that are local yeah
2: so, tax money so That's messy it seems like
1: it's very messy yeah. and so they you know they can block us from using our money to help low-income women get abortions they can block us from using our money to commercialize marijuana they can block us from using our money to help immigrants who need legal representation in court and they have done that mm-hmm. they've done all of that yeah
2: <laughs> yeah i'm sure they have so that was
1: Yeah, it was a really interesting office to work in because the issues were so unique. Mm -hmm. And it was just a massive buffer all the time. It was like, God, don't you have anything better to do than mess with the District of Columbia all day? Sweet little DC. yeah, so that's kind of like my journey from Seattle, Washington to D.C. It mm-hmm. was kind of unexpected. I feel like I didn't necessarily set out to yeah to do this work, but I I love it. It's it's a lot of fun, and even though it's really difficult, yeah, and I know bummer, I'm sure all it's the time. Super,
2: oh yeah, super <laughs> overwhelming and just a constant battle, but so important nonetheless. And as we kind of move forward into this conversation, we want to talk about. SCOTUS and everything that's going on in SCOTUS right now. Center confirmation hearings and all the things. So we want to kick that conversation off with our I Have a Stupid Question segment. So (laughs) here we go. Are we ready? (laughs) But the first one is what is a public defender and what do they do? (laughs) Yes, not
1: a stupid question. It's a great question. So, a lot of people might not realize this, but you have a constitutional right to representation in a criminal trial. It is like a bedrock, foundational understanding of of criminal law. Um, there are many constitutional amendments that apply to criminal. The proceedings but that one's really like really important mm-hmm. there are many problems by the way with our criminal justice system but that is not one of them mm-hmm. having the guarantee of effective representation in court is what makes our system pretty unique in that regard so basically there are two kinds of public defenders there's that well there's many different kinds but there's a federal public defender so if you're charged with a federal crime then you would and you were indigent which is to say you didn't have money you would be um, assigned a federal public defender, and that person would represent you in court. There are also state public defenders. So if you are accused of a crime at like, a state law, local law, and you are um, indigent or in poverty, you will be assigned a state public defender. There are a lot of you know stereotypes about public defenders that they're not very good, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. Actually, public defenders are some of the best um, litigators in the country. Then they nobody understands criminal law better than a public defender, they're just overworked. They just have yeah. too many cases. Yeah. Actually, the public defender system that I interned for basically won a case that they had been given un- an unconstitutionally high amount of cases so that they couldn't have provide oh, effective assistance to all their clients because they had so many open cases at once. So if public defender offices were better funded or if prosecutors stopped bringing so many bad cases against people that were possibly racially motivated, mm-hmm. it would be it would work even better, but that's what a public defender is. And you're also guaranteed a public defender at the appellate level. So if you are convicted and which I'm sorry, if you were, uh, but if you were convicted,
2: <laughs> um, anyone listening, yeah, right for
1: you. <laughs> you, you would still, you would also be guaranteed counsel at the appellate level so they could appeal your case for you, argue your case for you if it gets a hearing, those sorts of things. So, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Got it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Another title we need some info on. What is a clerkship, and what does one do in that role? Yes, it's a good question.
1: This came up recently because um, I had a non-lawyer friend say, "Oh, I thought a clerkship was just like a uh, secretary, like like you answer phone calls and stuff like that." I, could and see I was it. like, and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, it's a weird name mm-hmm. for what the job is because it's really important. It's one of the like highest-profile jobs, like one of the most competitive jobs you can get as a recently graduated law student." So a clerk. Um, for a federal judge uh, or a clerkship is usually a one or two year I think it's usually two years job you go work for a judge at at the usually at the appellate level but there are lots of different types of judges have clerks you help that judge write opinions like so the clerks are responsible for writing the initial draft of decisions that the judge (coughs) will ultimately issue under their name you're there for all of the arguments and the hearings you're reading all the briefs and you're doing a lot of writing a lot of appellate writing and then ultimately those drafts will become the decision will become the opinion through a lot of back and forth with the judge themselves then a lot of some not a lot some uh, clerks who clerk for lower court judges so appellate level or below will apply to become a supreme court clerk now that is like the toast of the town that's the dream yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so because i think i will have to check but i think all of the supreme court justices on the bench now were former supreme court clerks
2: okay
1: so that's like the path that's the path you know one of the steps towards yeah, becoming a supreme court uh justice yourself is to have been in fact katanji brown jackson who's been nominated was stephen Breyer's one of stephen Breyer's former clerks and now she's on deck mm-hmm. to replace him there so it it's incredibly yeah really high uh really competitive they're really difficult to get because you have to be really really sharp usually like people who go to top top law schools end up becoming clerks but you have to like go through this whole process of almost always having clerked for a different judge before if you want to think about it it's kind of like the lower courts are like a farm team like AAA, and then the supreme court is like the majors so they'll like call you up from AAA to to be a clerk for the Supreme court, but they're very competitive positions. And the, and clerks will draft, like do the initial drafting of, you know, landmark Supreme court cases that are ultimately issued by the court. Wow.
0: I love an analogy and how I think about that too, is like, it's basically a fancy, you know, name for being a byline writer and I'm, I'm here (laughs) for it. Yeah, exactly. Definitely feel like I learned something new on that. And I think this might be another question where someone will learn something new, is who votes on confirming a SCOTUS nominee?
1: Just the Senate. So the Constitution says the Senate will advise and consent on the president's Supreme Court nominees. That's what they're doing right now. They are advising and possibly consenting. So just the Senate votes, the House doesn't vote. And you, these days, you only need 51 votes to confirm a Supreme Court nominee because they got rid of the Republicans actually got rid of the uh, filibuster requirement for Supreme Court nominees. So you don't need 60 votes anymore. You only need 51. So first, what happens is the committee has its whole process, which is happening now. The committee will vote to advance her nomination to the full Senate to consider on the floor. And then the Senate will take a full vote as long as she gets 50 plus one vote could be a tiebreaker from the vice president, but she should, she should get Republican votes. She's exceptionally will qualified. but as long as it's about 50, she's confirmed.
0: Okay. It is really interesting to me that it's just the Senate. <clears throat> like, I feel like that's going to surprise <laughs> a lot of people where it's like, no, no, no. Like, you think about, like, a bill passing and it, you know, going... I'm so you know, happy yeah. about that. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> I'm
1: so well, it depends happy on about what's, that. Yeah, it depends on who controls what because, that's you know, true. of course, yeah. Under,
0: yeah. under
1: Obama, after... Scalia um, unexpectedly passed away. He nominated Merrick Garland to replace Justice Scalia. Democrats did not have control of the Senate. Merrick Garland never even got a hearing, let alone a vote. So that's the power that comes with holding the majority in the Senate.
2: That's very true. And kind of along those lines, can you also um, answer like what happens if a nominee doesn't get confirmed in the Senate? Yeah, they just go back to their life. (laughs) and what the president (laughs) just has to start over pick somebody
1: yeah i mean theoretically i mean there's nothing stopping the president from nominating that same person again but there would have to be be a very significant change in circumstances for for that would really ruffle some
2: yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) but say if you know if if somebody hadn't been confirmed five years ago and yeah i don't know the president wanted to bring that person that sounds like something trump would have done
2: Mm-hmm. yes <laughs>
1: it does did it get confirmed would <laughs> have been it like well I'm does. not going to pick one, so you guys can just keep yeah this is my person yeah. and I love them. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, them. they just go back to their life. I mean, that's what happened with Merrick Garland. He yeah. he wasn't, ultimately wasn't confirmed. He just went back to being a judge oh. on the DC circuit, which is a pretty good consolation prize, if we're being honest. Well, now yeah. he's got a and good now case. he's the, at- yeah, now he's the attorney general. Yeah. So, you know, hey, it, it all worked trust out Trust the universe, for, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> didn't work out for the Supreme Court, but it worked out for Merrick Garland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs>
0: Oh, Merrick, what a guy, what a guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Merrick. But, nonetheless, we want to move on to the judge of the moment, the judge of the hour, and that is Ketanji Brown Jackson, who has been nominated to replace Justice Breyer, who, I got to say, is still, like, the cutest human I've ever seen in my life, (laughs) because that video.
2: I, like, dream about it, of him at the State of the Union. Like, he literally looks, like, dopey from Snow White, and I was the cutest I've ever seen in my life, and he'll be missed. But sorry.
0: (laughs) But nonetheless, (laughs) with Dopey leading his way out, we want to talk about Katanji. So first of all, can you give us the background? Who is she? What's her experience? You know, I mean, I've seen some really great graphics showing how much experience, which is like more than like literally everyone else ever nominated or on there currently. Walk us through it.
2: Yeah, she's great.
1: I mean, what's to say? I mean, she's so fantastic. It was so exciting when she was nominated for, I mean, it's historic, first of all. But she's such a great judge. She's a really good lawyer. Her experience is really unique for somebody who has been nominated to serve on the Supreme Court. She grew up with, you know, her dad, she was a kid when her dad was in law school. And so she kind of grew up with him, like, studying the law around the kitchen table. Those she stories about are that.
2: so
1: cute. Yeah, talked about that a little bit at her confirmation hearing. She And she's had really interesting experience. So not only would she be the first Black woman to ever serve on the Supreme Court, which is insane, by the way, that it's been Mm -hmm. 223 years and there's never been a Black woman on the court. She'd actually only be the third Black person ever, overall, to serve on the Supreme Court. So it's historic for that reason. But it's also historic because she'd be the first public defender. There's never been a public defender on the bench usually you know the route that a person takes to go into the Supreme Court is you go to a top five law school and you you know you get your clerkship don't forget your clerkship mm-hmm. you become a, a prosecutor a U.S. attorney so you work for the Department of Justice then you work for a big white shoe law firm and make a million dollars and then you become a judge and then you become a justice so it's a very rare in fact so rare it's never happened yeah (laughs) that someone would become a public defender and then and then ultimately make their way um to the supreme court it's actually been very rare for public defenders even to become judges because there's a tendency especially on the right but this democrats have done this too to try to paint public defenders as being soft on crime or whatever the case may be and so it's been difficult to get public defenders confirmed to On judgeships, because you know senators want to focus on oh, but what about this criminal that you defended or that person, and is really wanting to recite all the bad things that their client did. Again, you have the constitutional right Mm -hmm. to representation in a criminal trial, and she talked about that during her confirmation hearing, saying that her job was to uphold the Constitution. That's a that's a foundational value in our Constitution is that you should not be thrown in jail without (laughs) effective yeah legal representation. So that's really really exciting that's what makes her candidacy or her nomination so special i think to a lot of people not yeah. just because she is a black woman but because her experience is also very diverse. Yeah. as compared to her future colleagues. Yeah. experience so
2: can you she's kind of highlight some of those like kind of more again like I think, like you said, public defenders can kind of be villainized when it comes to like these confirmation mm-hmm. hearings. Can you kind of highlight like why it's actually a really good thing and some of the qualities that do come with like being a public defender that a lot of other people on the court don't have that experience and why yeah. it's needed, honestly, at this point in time, too? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, the thing is, the Supreme Court hears all different types
1: of cases. Some are more boring than others. Some are like antitrust. Like who yeah. Cares. I mean, I, I care. <laughs> Important. But. But they also hear a lot of criminal uh, procedure cases. Like, can the police do this when they are gathering evidence against a person? Can a prosecutor withhold this when they are prosecuting somebody in court? Can the police search your cell phone without your permission or without a warrant? Can the police pull you over with questionable, probable cause? These are like the types of cases that's the, that lower courts hear. but a lot of those challenges make their way up to the Supreme Court. And the same is true for You know, death penalty cases, like, should this person be convicted despite the fact that they have lowered mental capacity or that there's no, the DNA is somebody else's DNA. And when you have people in the court who have no experience at all dealing with cases like that, I think it's really easy for them to be like, meh, bad. They're all bad apples. Um, But when you have somebody with a different perspective who's been on the other side, say, who like regularly gets ruled against by judges (laughs) and try to defend their client. It just p- offers a different perspective, and I think it's much, much needed on the bench. There's been a series of bad criminal cases. I, I you know, obviously have no idea how Ketanji Brown Jackson would rule in any of these. Mm-hmm. But having some fresh perspective on the way that poli- the police behave or the way that you know prisoners are treated even after they've been convicted and are in prison, you know, the ju- justices now I think it's very easy for them to be like, oh, I'm so removed from any of that bothering me that I don't. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, but that's... she at least has a level of empathy for totally. what that's like for the person going through it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we love a new perspective. We love a little <laughs> POV change. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it will definitely have, you know, implications. This already has had implications in sort of the short term. And of course, you know, the optics on it are and in anything is kind of always everything. But I'm curious to, you know, sort of hear from your end, like what you think some of the longer term implications will be. Of obviously her nomination, I highly doubt she will not be confirmed. I don't want to jinx anything, but hopefully her <laughs> confirmation.
1: Yeah. So, well, look, nothing really fundamentally changes with the makeup of the court. It's a 6 3 conservative majority now, and it's going to be a 6 3 conservative majority after she is hopefully confirmed. So that won't change. But I think actually something that I learned from Justice Scalia of all people. Is that being in the minority can be can be impactful too, mm-hmm. and I think that one thing he always said was that when he wrote dissents, he wrote with a certain audience in mind, and that audience was law students because he mm-hmm. wanted to he wanted his dissents to kind of provide an alternative perspective for law students who might want to grow up one day, possibly become a Supreme Court justice themselves, or become a Supreme Court litigator themselves, and maybe one day the uh, you know environment would be ripe for a change in law. And so I think that that's like one of the most exciting things about her, her presence on the court is what might those decisions look like and wh- what might that influence in the law, even though, even if she finds herself in the minority as opposed to the majority, she still has the opportunity to influence a generation of lawyers who are already inspired by who she is and what she represents, but also a perspective about the law that is not currently on the bench that could find its way into some of her rulings. So that's a, a, an opportunity for like kind of a lifelong shift in how the Supreme Court operates. I don't necessarily think she's going to go in there and like change Brett Kavanaugh's mind about anything. <laughs> but I can anyone me. could.
2: but we'll see
0: I mean who knows get him a beer and you never know what will happen I guess Um. I mean definitely not good things definitely not good (laughs) things so I don't know man yeah but yeah but I I do love your point about the fact that she still has the ability and any of them anyone in the minority there on the court still has the ability to influence future lawyers and what's to come and you never know sort of where the future of the makeup of the court Mm -hmm. will go I mean, I know there's always discussion, too, as to expanding the amount of members of the court, which can be changed by Congress. So, you know, where this happens in this moment can go. I feel like there's just so many directions, maybe a little too early to hedge our bets, but I think... It's a long game. It's a long game. (laughs) But if if anything, if we can sort of see, you know, the positive impact of what this will do on future lawyers and therefore future judges, I think that's really positive. But to bring it back to what's happening right now these hearings even let's go you know the week pre the hearings and whatnot the republicans are having themselves a field day and when i mean a field day it's like literally watching a bad gym class vibe on them trying to like compete for some weird trophy years in advance (laughs) I'm not particularly about it myself but regardless i'm curious if you could give us a little bit of you know light on what they've been up to what these pesky humans have had up their sleeves before, you know, sort of these hearings and also what they're what bullshit they're pulling right now.
1: Yeah. So even before Ketanji Brown Jackson's name was announced. So we knew that Joe Biden was going to pick a black woman to serve on the Supreme Court. That was a promise that he made during the presidential campaign. Mm-hmm. That's all we knew was that the person was going to be black and the person was going to be a woman. Even we didn't even know who it was. And Republicans were already out there saying, she's not qualified. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> you know, she's, she's, she's not smart enough to be on the Supreme Court. She's not qualified. It's reverse racism against white people that Joe Biden said this. She wasn't even a person yet, and she was already not qualified. Yeah. So oh, just off the rip, racist, sexist attacks against this person who, again, did not even exist yet. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that was like the first like a few days was you know republicans complaining that she was a diversity hire or that she was because of affirmative action that she was getting picked by the way there's nothing wrong with affirmative action
2: right okay
1: so there's that but also we didn't even know who she was yet so that that like but they only know one thing and it's just be racist yeah like that's it so they just kind of ran that play it didn't really work people pushed back really strongly on it like pretty quickly because how could you assess Mm -hmm. that about somebody whose name hadn't even been announced yet? Yeah. After her name was announced, you know, I think the expected attacks were since she was a former public defender, a lot of focus on being soft on crime because right now, Republicans really just like want to make a kind of a meta argument about Democrats and how scary they are and that the things that they believe are scary and are coming for your children and all of this stuff. And so fear-mongering about like a spike in crime is like right in the mix for the fear-mongering, right? And so they also want to fear-monger about what your kids might learn at school, and they want to fear-monger about trans athletes. So it all fits kind of together in that that sort of wheel of fear, I guess. Mm. And so they've they've tried to focus on that, that that Kataji Brown Jackson had, as a federal public defender, had defended detainees at Guantanamo Bay And so you know i don't know lindsey graham was trying to make this link between the facts that she had defended these people by the way they had the again constitutional right right to challenge their detention when she was assigned these cases so lindsey graham was trying to make a link between her and the war on terror it was very bizarre and there's just been a lot that nothing has been sticking because there's no substantive reason to um oppose her nomination so republicans have been kind of focusing on everybody but her to try to beat Fearmonger about her nomination, so they've been like focusing on dark money groups who supported her nomination, mm-hmm. and they've been focusing on people who have nothing to do with her. And Marsha Blackburn went on this senator from Tennessee went on this wild anti-trans rant yesterday. It's like, well, that doesn't have anything to do with this. She's just trying to yeah scare people about about what her nomination represents. So it's so insane. It's just in a big old swamp <laughs> of grossness but i don't it's not really working everybody thinks that it's silly and yeah. it's not really working and i shall ultimately i think be confirmed but it's that's what they're yeah they're trying to set up set the ground set the foundation for kind of recycling these attacks as we get closer to the midterm elections and as we get closer yeah. to the presidential election that like everything joe biden does is very Which radical and everything Yeah, everything that Democrats do is very radical, and their nominees for this or that are very radical. And so, even though it's not really true, I think it's just hoping that
2: it's like a political game. And it's just like, don't let Biden win at all costs. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And shout out also, we were just literally right before we recorded this, we were watching, and Senator Whitehouse did like a whole breakdown of like, excuse me, like you guys poured $400 million into dark money during Trump's presidency like to get his confirmation or his nomination. Yeah. Nominations confirmed. So.
1: And we don't know where that money came, from. Yeah. we still don't know where that money came from. This $20 million spent to get Neil Gorsuch confirmed to the Supreme Court. Nobody knows who spent it,
2: yeah. where it came from. Exactly. And another
1: $10, 10 $15, 20000000 to get Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett confirmed.
0: Yeah. Where'd it
2: come from?
1: Who knows? Exactly.
0: They're just it's wild. But I will say of that, of the confirmation hearings that we've been watching, some of the Republican attacks and arguments are, A, obviously they're so asinine, but they argue themselves out of their own argument like 10 times over. <laughs> That's what they always there was, do. Which is like classic. But there is like one moment where you could just see like out of her face that she was like, I'm just going to let you, I'm going to let you. Make your own grave, and I was losing it. and yeah. obviously, I tried to like Snapchat the video, it's like the wonkiest video I've ever taken in my life. I was like, This is legendary! Like, oh my god, like, yeah, I was so for like just like sitting
2: through these. Yeah, I just and I yeah. Especially, like, especially feel like nice.
0: every woman has like been there before too, where there's like some old white guy that like literally is like trying to like mansplain something or try and like have some argument, and it's obviously such a great bullshit, and you're just saying, They're like, I is this real life? You're like, <laughs> and yeah. Smile and nod, boys. Yeah, 100. I, like, hey. <laughs> I it's
2: it's all too much. And speaking of someone who is just always too much and mm-hmm. the absolute worst, is Tucker Carlson, and he is yes. Fox News primetime host, right? And he has just been spewing. He always is spewing garbage, but especially some like racist garbage regarding Kentucky Brown Jackson and this nomination. Can you kind of explain like what he's been doing, what he's been saying, what's the rhetoric been? Obviously, we've kind of seen it materialize in a way in these confirmation hearings of like this Republican rhetoric. But like, also, what's like the Republican media been spewing about this? It's ultimately like seeping into the, you know, electorate. Yeah.
1: So Tucker Carlson of Fox News's like right wing media's whole thing has been to try to attack her qualifications. And I think they felt like they had a great deal of success doing this when Barack Obama ran for president to demand to see his transcripts just to prove he wasn't really smart enough to have gone to Harvard or to have whatever that or that he was otherwise like more qualified mm-hmm. to be the president. It's like I would love to have seen George w. Yeah, Bush's it's always transcripts like by the way. Yeah, it's always but like whatever. the transcripts
2: yeah. and then like, oh, they're a terrorist <laughs> also like <laughs>
1: Right. Exactly. And like older oh, names sounds funny, so they must be suspicious um in some ways. Yeah. Right. So so but that's what Tucker Carlson is trying to do. So he went on this whole rant about how she should release Katanji Bernie Jackson should release her LSATs, the test that you take before you apply to law school, and you can get, I think the highest score you can get is the 180. I didn't get that for the record, not <laughs> that it matters. <laughs> but they wanted to, but it's something that you take before you even before go to law school. Before you go to law like, school. Yeah. Yeah. So you, if you got into a good law school and you graduated and got a job, who cares what you got on your LSAT yeah. score? But the, but the point is to attack her qualifications because, again, they're trying to build this like, meta-narrative that people of color are stealing opportunities yeah. from, from white people. And it's all about creating this kind of culture of grievance mm-hmm. um, that you should be aggrieved that she got into law school because there's obviously no way, you know, that she could have gotten into law school unless there was some sort of affirmative action policy that helped her get in. And that's why we need to see her LSAT scores to prove... That she isn't as smart as as she says that she is, and so it's full stop racist to be demanding to see. She's in her fifties now. She's been out a law school for literally thirty oh my years. God, imagine like um, that's th-
2: like me. Like imagine my like ACT scores haunting me twenty years like later. I'm exactly. Like, oh, you don't want to know what those are. Trust. <laughs> it's not.
1: It's not relevant. It's not relevant to your current qualifications. Yeah, you know. Totally. So. Um, but but that's why they bring it up and right. they, and they want to be able to show that um you know, that's what the that's what the opposition affirmative action is all about mm-hmm. is showing that people of color got something that they didn't deserve and that's what he's been kind of pushing other than that time that tucker carlson gets the opportunity to fear monger about crime in in big cities he'll do it so there's just been a lot of oh she's soft on crime mm-hmm. and you know, so I think we saw this from Josh Hawley too. basically, this ended up being completely untrue, by the way, that sh- that Katondi Brown-Jackson was soft on offenders who had harmed children or who had possessed yeah. child pornography. Even right-wing media outlets were saying, this is not true. <laughs> so <he'd> lost <laughs> mem- yeah. yeah, he had lost members of his own team yeah. on that one. So. so Josh Hawley's trying to push that. And, you know, I, I assume that uh, Fox doesn't try to push it too. But actually, at- once she was announced I would say that Republicans toned it down pretty significantly. It was really just Josh Hawley and Marsha Blackburn who did the worst of it. Not but surprised. Yeah, even, yeah. even Republicans, I think, let me tread lightly here. They're not good people, so don't get be confused. <laughs> but even they don't, at the very least, don't want to be perceived as being blamed for blocking this historic nomination. Yeah. They, they right. realized that it would look bad if they were blamed for having blocked it. So they did kind of tone down A lot of that rhetoric after she was announced, except for, of course, Josh Hawley and Marsha Blackburn, who decided to go full, like,
2: Pizzagate,
1: QAnon with it.
2: The way that they're like, oh, wait, this will make me look bad. Let me run it back. It's like, rather than being like, I'm just being straight up racist. That's... Exactly.
1: That's exactly right.
0: What a duo, you know? Maybe, like... (laughs) Maybe we
2: ship them together.
0: I was just thinking that. That would be definitely an interesting and terrifying couple. But nonetheless obviously we want to figure out ways to combat their bullshit so curious to learn are there any things that you recommend for sort of combating the verbiage that's out there that's sort of against her or also just any of the language that the republicans sort of continue to use and will you know continue to sort of throw out there for other potential nominations and other scenarios like this Yeah,
1: the the number one thing you can do is just enjoy your life, ignore it and be happy, you know, just go for a walk and just like Mm -hmm. listen to, listen to, I don't know, Dua Lipa, but listen to a lot of Dua Lipa, Mm -hmm. she's good. She's great. And just try not to let it bother you too much and then just be ready to mobilize ahead of the midterms because like the most important thing that any of us can do is like try to create a Congress that is functional and representative and get stuff done, which we don't have right now. Yeah. But especially in the case of the nominees, you know, there are a couple situations where even if, you, if folks have a Republican Senator, I know I think a lot of people feel like, well, what's the point of calling them or trying to convince them to change their minds about something? There are actually are a few situations where that might be effective. And I think that the Supreme Court nomination is one of those times that if you do have a Republican Senator, it's worthwhile to call them and say, I support her. Yeah. I want you to vote to confirm her, even though normally it's probably just saying up on you. I think it's still worth doing. And it, honestly just focusing on the good things about her mm-hmm. and to the extent that like if folks listening are as addicted to twitter as i am just really uplifting the positives about yeah. her which help outweigh the negatives because she's a great person and she's a great judge she'll be an exceptional justice and people should understand that these attacks that we're seeing coming from the right are not based in anything real it's about a bigger play that republicans yeah. are trying to do to win in Twenty twenty two and then win it in twenty twenty four doesn't really have anything to do with her. So these attacks really just are baseless. But mostly, you know, get your vitamin D. Yeah, Go out Yeah, with I son. kind of love that <laughs> advice.
2: Like, honestly, yeah. I would say that advice. Like, the Josh Hollies and the Tucker Carlson's of the world, like, don't listen to them, ignore them. But when you do see like the headlines of the just insane things they say, maybe like start a note in your phone and just make a little tally list. Yeah. And then when you go to right. vote, just like look at that tally and all the hundreds of tallies you made and be like, oh my God, this is why I need to exactly. vote and make a my friends 20,
1: vote. You know, the summer is going to be really critical. I mean, yeah. like normally, usually historically, we see that the president's party will lose seats in the House and Senate. And we just have to do our best to make sure that that doesn't happen, especially in the Senate when, I mean, we know for a fact that if Mitch McConnell regains control of the Senate, we're not getting any more Supreme Court justices confirmed. Yeah while he's in charge. He already has set, level set that, but he's not doing it. So at the very least, let's try to keep control of the Senate so that if there is, say, an unexpected vacancy on the Supreme Court over the next couple of years, we'll actually be able to confirm that person's replacement.
2: Absolutely. Amazing. Well, thank you for walking us through this whole situation, answering all of our questions. And before you leave us, can you tell us where we can find you. Maybe it's that Twitter. I, just anything else where we can find you guys or Indivisible.
1: Yes. So Indivisible is on Twitter at Indivisible Team. And so that's like not just democracy stuff that we're working on or Supreme Court stuff we're working on, but like all of the different campaigns we're working on. So we're trying to get Joe Biden to sign as many executive actions as we can get where him to do. to do that would be very way. impactful. Yeah. 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 Can do this without congressional support mm-hmm. so it's like yeah let's go let's do some climate stuff with the president's pen should be good mm-hmm. so that's at individual team and i am at important megan i am very important that's the best handle wow. i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> there are only like five good megan's one megan the stallion me it's... megan merkel <laughs> So,
2: (laughs) I am top three Megan's in the world. So follow me.
1: So follow me at important Megan. And my name was spelled M E A G A N. Of course, very crucial. Megan's always have to be very high maintenance about how we spell our names. Yes, I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you again. (laughs) This was awesome. Thank you top stories of the week. Let's get right on into it because Arizona Senate GOP revives a controversial election bill. I mean, what's new? I feel like every top stories week, there's some type of egregious policy Mm. in some state that's happening. And here we are one more time with the state GOP members really shaking shit up. And basically, Arizona Senate committee on Monday revived and advanced a wide-ranging election bill that would eliminate nearly all forms of early voting and require ballots to be counted by hand. Wait, that sounds like my biggest nightmare. What is this? 1820? I'm just confused. Why would anybody count ballots by
0: hand? I also just... Okay, if you've ever, like, organized an event like this really brings me back to doing like some phil oh my god i can't speak philanthropic stuff in college where you're like literally counting stuff out like quantities ribbons whatever it is like quantities of like ribbons cars etc because like obviously you know keeping the budget shrimpy i would like lose my mind doing that like i would literally get to like 15 and forget oh like, me too how many i was counting yeah, you tell me to do 10 lou- lounges 10 lunges. <laughs> me too i won't forget. Like, forget in and workout
2: like, classes i'm <laughs> like okay six of this and six of this and then and then just keep going I'm like okay and all of a sudden i'm like 15 i'm 15 reps in and i'm like oh fuck i was supposed to stop at six <laughs> do it No, I'm literally the worst counter and the worst with math. And I think we're both on that same page. Like, this is literally both of our worst nightmares. But nonetheless, so Republicans passed the bill out of the Senate Government Committee in a 4-3 party line vote on Monday. And it is almost certain to die in a vote of the full Senate or in the House. Okay, that's good. And the measure is strongly supported by Republican lawmakers and activists who claim, despite a lack of reliable evidence, that the 2020 election was marred by widespread fraud. And several supporters of the measure cited a variety of false or misleading claims about the election and urging lawmakers to pass the bill. And then meanwhile, Democratic groups have used the bill's far-reaching provisions to raise money and draw attention to a variety of efforts in Arizona that they said would suppress votes and particularly of people of color and those with low incomes. And so a Glendale Democrat senator said, it's a privilege to assume that because it doesn't impact you negatively, it's not going to impact somebody down the street negatively. So just more of this voter suppression being pushed through. It does look like it will die, hopefully in the full Senate and House, but it's just the fact that this is still lingering this big lie and it's just really infiltrated everything it goes back to like what
0: we say all the time about like state politics of like this is where shit is happening and we do have an episode coming up where we really get into it which is exciting because we can't wait for you guys to listen to that episode but like this is just it's and I get it, it it is hard to start paying attention to state politics I really get it like the media sources are smaller or they're not as like oriented towards especially young people like I really really get it but it's like this is where we need to start paying more and more attention yes and I will stop my rant there because we all know I could go for five million hours and we don't have the time yeah
2: I also was just like thinking about if they did switch to hand counting ballots that like Mm -hmm. I feel like it would just prove even further that they're just, like, wrong. And it's, like, no, honestly, when you count them by hand, it's probably going to be more accurate and prove the point of the Democrats even more that, like, there's no fucking election fraud. Yeah.
0: <laughs> imagine then they, like, did that, and then they're, like, trying to rebuff that. Yeah. That might be honestly, wrong way, like, maybe whatever. they going to and do yeah. this
2: and just to prove like, once and for all, like, no, it's like, not actually happening. We count them by hand then, this then, like, time.
0: imagine they're, like, well, it must have been the technique. They truly <laughs> didn't, like count with their pinkies they were like samantha and maddie time. were
2: counting and they don't know how to count <laughs> and i'd be like honestly true like there's there's gonna should be we? more election fraud <laughs> if we count these ballots by hand
0: <laughs> yeah we are uh of all the jobs that we should ever apply to that is not one for You just us.
2: won't be a poll worker but like absolute <laughs> full respect to the poll Wait, workers out there
0: i have thought about that so many times because like obviously love respect poll workers and i always like feel really guilty when i'm not one yeah. but like i'm really bad with like not to pull a hannah burner but like to pull a H- hannah burner with like admin but like not yes. really like certain admin i'm great at but like the like well also my uber driver told me i was dyslexic the other day and i really believe her you're oh. just not gonna and be I- working on a pole <laughs>
2: You're not gonna be a poll worker <laughs> no
0: but i'll just be getting people there
2: here girl on the gov guys
0: register to vote thanks yeah bye.
2: but mm-hmm. super shocking that they're actually trying to push hand counting ballots but there's that on that nonetheless okay, no. next
0: story let's talk about what we were talking about during this interview and that is about judge jackson pushing back on gop critics and defending her epic get record. it girl defend Ooh. that record okay so let's give the the story this one's right out of the ap facing senators questions for the first time supreme court nominee katanji brown jackson forcedly defended her record as a federal judge declaring Here. she will rule from a position of neutrality if she's confirmed as the first black woman on the high court jackson started the hearing by responding to republicans who have questioned whether she's too liberal in her judicial philosophy she said she tries to understand what the people who created this law intended relying on the words of a statute but also looking at history and practice when the meaning may not be clear. Responding to Senator Dick Durbin, the Judiciary Committee Chairman, she also pushed back on Republican suggestions that she has given light sentences to child pornographers. Members of, the judici- oh my God. Members of the Judiciary Panel are already familiar with Jackson, who appeared before them last year after Biden chose her to fill an opening on the Federal Appeals Court in Washington. She was also vetted by the committee and confirmed by the Senate as a district court judge under President Barack Obama, and to her post on the sentencing commission. In her opening statement, Jackson expressed her thanks and loved her husband, Patrick that Jackson, was so cute, by the way. The video. Oh, <gasps> he was, like, fully crying. Like,
2: that's the kind of fucking man we need. He's, like, another iconic, like, purse holder moment where he's, like, he's just, just some, it's just a man who's, like, can sit there and cry tears of pride over their woman. I just feel like those men are hard to find.
0: So hard to find. And... He is clearly, obviously we don't know the behind the scenes, but he's clearly a gem. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. That is adorable. And the daughters It's just, it's too much for me to handle. One of one of her daughters literally wrote a note like saying, like, oh my gosh, my mom should be on the Supreme Court years ago. And now here we are. If that's not manifesting. That's manifesting. mm -hmm. That is manifesting. I mean, granted, she's also just incredibly qualified, if not the most qualified person ever. Absolutely. To be on Literally, you know this—the highest court at the land. Yes, that's that's that. Yes. So, where did I develop this weird Irish accent out of nowhere? Regardless of that disaster. That's why I like how I'm calling this this
2: surgeon a purse holder. <laughs> 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 but he is. <laughs> uh, Any man who supports you know, this woman's career is a purse holder, and I mean it in the absolute best way.
0: I wonder if we need to rebrand that.
2: No, I love it. Okay. Get you a man that can do both. That can be a surgeon and a purse holder. That's all I yeah. want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay.
2: Glad I got your approval.
0: So basically, that is some of the background in case you missed it during our interview. Where we're at right now, as of Tuesday, hearings have been going on. There's been some dramatics. Lindsey Graham, Ted Cruz. I'm looking at you two. Get yourself a babysitter for your personalities. Thanks. Um, nice. But besides that, zinger. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm done. Wow. <laughs> Where was I going with this? Oh, but anyways, hearings will be continuing. They are watchable via YouTube. Washington Post has a channel. That's how I was watching it before. We have it on our story. And there's a lot of stuff that will be coming out of it. Of course, we'll be TikToking about it as well. So mm-hmm. I know, I'm sure TikTok. there'll be TikTok. some TikTok moments.
2: And we'll be sure to capitalize on those for sure. Okay, last, next and last story is is this an ex-wife accuses top missouri gop senate candidate of abuse so former missouri governor eric Greitens, how do we say this one did
0: i say it right i that feels right to me yeah honestly Gray-tons. he doesn't even deserve a
2: proper pronunciation Gray-tons. anyway it would
0: be either Greitens or greetens hey guess what no great i think we great-ins. don't care about him yeah well
2: fuck him anyways <laughs> Yeah, that one. Okay, and he is now a leading Republican Senate candidate. And so he is being accused of being physically abusive and demonstrated such unstable and coercive behavior that steps were taken to limit his access to firearms, according to new allegations from his ex-wife revealed in court uh, records on Monday. And so a sworn affidavit from Sheena Gratens. Now I want to pronounce her name right. Fuck. Whatever. You got the point. As part of an ongoing child custody dispute in Missouri and a public affairs professor at the University of Texas, she sought divorce from Eric after a sex scandal, which led to his resignation as governor in June 2018. This man is just problematic. And she's Mm -hmm. now asking the court to move the custody case to the Austin area in part to spare her children from renewed public attention as he tries to mount a political comeback. Good lord. And basically, her David offers a bleak picture of his waning days as governor, and at one point she said that he purchased a gun but refused to tell her where it was, and he also threatened to kill himself unless he provided specific public political support. Um, this man is coercive and abusive in every way, shape, and form, and
0: he must be stopped. Also... This is like not the only GOP candidate that's running that has allegations like this. There's it really never one has in been Georgia right now. There's always a few. And I will say, I will also say this: like this isn't just a Republican issue. This is a Democrat this issue. Is usually so like I, a men, a men issue, men issue. Yeah. Regardless, these people still end up getting supported, and it's really disgusting. So. If you are living in Missouri, you're someone that listens to us, let us know. Curious your thoughts. I have a a thought. Um, You don't live in Missouri.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I do not. I've never been. But shout out Missouri. I I do just want to say back to the whole, like, it's not just a Republican thing. And it's not. Mm. You're so correct in saying that. However, what I will say is that each Mm. party holds these men to way different standards and usually on the democratic side they are immediately held accountable they resign they never run for office again
0: however we have Uh, seen in recent years cuomo is considering right but he's never gonna make
2: it in the democratic party so he's just being dumb for doing that but
0: it's more just like who's
2: holding him accountable and the republicans and the gop do not and we've seen that over the years and we definitely saw it with our former president you know, the GOP just really doesn't always give a shit if there are any accusations mm-hmm. of abuse against women for a candidate or whomever in the party. And I would just like to put that out there of like, yes, there there is it definitely on both sides. But the way people are held accountable is vastly, vastly
0: different. Totally. So some of the things his ex-wife has said in regards to the situation... One, I started sleeping in my children's room simply to try and keep them safe. Scary. At one point, Eric made a reference to the fact that he had the children and she didn't while trying to persuade Sheena to delete emails she had not sent to the family therapist seeking help. Eric threatened to accuse me of child abuse if I did not delete the emails and convince the therapist to delete them. She also said that during the same phone call, Eric berated her as a hateful, disgusting, nasty, vicious line- bitch while accusing her of providing information about him to prosecutors in the St. Louis... St. Louis. St. Louis. Sorry, go ahead. Oopsies. Dispatch, newspaper, and then a few weeks later he grew angry and confronted her when she tried to fly with the children to her parents' house, she said. He threatened to come to the airport and have me arrested for kidnapping and child abuse, saying that because of his authority as a former governor who had supported law enforcement, oh God. the police would support him and not... Believe me. And that is, like, such a classic thing mm-hmm. where, like, there is some connection to like law enforcement mm-hmm. and or a power player doesn't even just have to be yeah. that where it's like saying hey there's a problem flagging trying to get help that there's like a huge roadblock mm-hmm. like that or a threat that's like really scary and yeah. it's just even scarier that like someone like this could be elected to a position yeah. where they're making laws that could right. influence situations that's important like to this. hammer
2: home is that you guys remind this band is like leading in the the Senate race in Missouri. So, this man has the potential to not... Honestly, it's, like, so sad, too. I'm like, it's not just the House, like, because we've seen just so many crazy people be elected to the House. Like, it's become less of a big deal, but it's, like, the Senate? The Senate. The Senate.
0: And, like, think about, like, legislation, like, the Violence Against Women Mm -hmm. Act that was just renewed. Like, that's something... That would be on his desk. Right. So, think about where his opinion would be on something like Mm -hmm. that, given this yeah alas alas Um. but
2: i mean i'm trying to think like you know if you do have friends in missouri or if you want to support the other candidates on the other side of the ticket to help you know beat this man out put some efforts there and see what you can do and spread awareness of this terrible man because we cannot have him in the senate but Mm -mm. absolutely crazy story and i will be thinking about this woman And hoping for the best for her because this is really scary stuff. Um, And her kids kids, for sure. But that is it for this week. Housekeeping reminders: go buy your four bottles of wine, go sign up for the brand ambassador program, go check out our internship, and sign up for Break the Love and go play some tennis. And if you haven't played tennis before, I'm right there with you. It's really fun, and maybe that's a new hobby you can take up because I'm always looking for new hobbies. You know, it does that just remind me too of too is like i see this on tiktok all the time now too and people are like on a date or like in a job interview and they're like what do you like to do for fun you're like um (laughs) watch TV, go out with my friends like what else like to say you have a hobby like that goes so far you look so impressive so go sign up for break the love
0: i love that and one last thing please keep sharing the show throw it in the group chat Throw it in the you know with the family texting moment like whatever it is keep sharing the podcast we really thank you guys for all the support but wanna wanna make sure we get all the ears all the eyes all the ears all the okay, eyes okay. and okay.
2: especially in such an important and more the ears, well the eyes too on social media follow us oh, share yeah, all yeah, that yeah, as yeah. well and again you guys it's such an important election year and this is the perfect kind of action item for you guys to take into your day-to-day life is to share a girl on the gov and get all of your friends informed and ready to vote during this crucial election year so that was a great housekeeping moment samantha thanks for raising that thank you (laughs) but that is it for this week have a lovely rest of your week and we'll be talking you all next wednesday